Hi, my name is Natalie Needham, and I'm one of the co-owners and managing directors with Impetus Digital. At Impetus Digital, we have built some of the best-in-class asynchronous and synchronous virtual collaboration tools for life science companies so that they can actually do work, collaborate on information, and share insights with their customers, be it physicians, payers, allied healthcare providers, or, or patients, or even internally for doing things like POA rollouts or brand planning sessions. We've been doing a lot of work recently, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, people trying to convert their in-person meetings to virtual ones. And Impetus Digital has been a virtual company for the last 11 years, where we've been serving customers from across the globe in a myriad of different ways through things like advisory boards and working groups and investigator meetings. And a lot of times we've been hearing recently the question of how do you build culture in a virtual world? How do you inspire the people? How do you become your best leader? And I actually have 10 tips that I'm gonna share with you today about what we have done at Impetus to be really successful with colleagues um, from across the globe working synchronously and asynchronously in a very effective and efficient way. And we've also been able to develop culture and be able to brand, build a brand personality and people really love working at Impetus. So one of the things that's really difficult about working virtually that a lot of companies are experiencing as they're moving onto these online platforms is there's a low level of social cues. Um, and so they're oftentimes not able to read it as much as you can when you're seeing see people in person, where you're able to touch and feel and smell and, and all of those things that we're used to being able to do, especially around body cues, because 75% of language is imbued through body language. There's also sometimes a sense of loneliness, especially for people who are very extroverted and they're used to coming into the office and having friendships and having conversations with people outside of their home. So there's some of that. And in addition, sometimes people can be kind of feel, feel, uh, feeling like they're kind of thrown off their rocker or off their, um, you know, what they're used to. We're habits of creature. We become autonomic or automatic systems, developing heuristics and methodologies based on patterns. And as soon as the pattern is broken and, you know, we start to wonder about our roles and responsibilities, we start to feel insecure about our jobs um, is it going to be roboticized? Am I going to be needed, especially in this global environment where we don't need regional offices as much? Um, so there's a lot of questions and concerns about everybody involved. So these are some of the issues that people are running into. But we also equally are hearing about some of the fantastic benefits. And these benefits are things that Impetus has been experiencing for the last 11 years. One of them is commuting. You're not stuck in traffic going back and forth to client meetings or to, to the office. And so obviously saving on the carbon footprint. Um, we're increasing our productivity time and our time to be able to spend with family and being able to enjoy that, having a better quality of life. We are going to eventually start to see a uh, what I call the great dispersion, where people are gonna start being able to ask themselves questions. Do they need to effectively be stuck in one kind of urban area where they may actually have a better quality of life moving to another country or moving to a rural area where they can get a better home or a bigger home and have a better quality of life. We're also going to start to hear a lot more about digital nomads um, and spending time in different places in the world. We've heard a lot of things from companies like Facebook and Twitter and other organizations who are allowing their, their, their employees to work in different locations. 
However, they're probably because they're located in Silicon Valley where cost of living is very expensive, companies might pull back on some of these additional benefits of having these fairly high salaries and they may scale them back. But again, it gives people the choice of what I call choosing where you work or CWW. That might be a new norm. It might give companies a competitive advantage of being allow allowing some of, some of their employees to be able to work from anywhere they choose. So what are some of the ways that you as a leader or even as an employee or a participant or entrepreneur or whatever you wanna call yourself within your organization do to inspire culture uh, internally while you're using virtual tools? One of the very first things has to come down with mindset. And many people need to be able to imbue a growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset. That's tip number one. When you have a fixed mindset, you can spend a lot of your time complaining and agonizing over the changes and why do you need to go virtual and waiting, kind of like waiting for Godot, waiting for the doors to open again so you can go back to the way things were. We all know that we're in a world of new normal, that those things and even the way the offices were set up before are no longer going to be the case. We need to expand ourselves, look at the silver lining and determine that this is actually a growth mindset, that there is an opportunity behind what we're thinking as being a challenge. And then being able to spend some time and to be able to pause, to be able to spend time in self-awareness, self-regulation and self-soothing. This is a very stressful time for many people as they're spending time with their families, sometimes with new environments or situations that are not ideal, and then be able to feel that within their body, feel that within their emotions, and to be able to look for the right sorts of, sorts of supports either personally or professionally, to be able to move on to the next step. The second tip in terms of creating culture in a virtualized world is to be able to create new norms, processes, and expectations within your team. What is going to be expected of the group in this new space? How are people supposed to react and act? Um, where are you going to be putting things? Where are new documents? It's like moving into a new home or a new city and then allowing people to explore the different coffee shops and restaurants. You know, where do you go to, you know, um, pick up such and such at a store? It's being able to share and to build this new city and this new home with your colleagues and being able to share that um, in a deliberate way and um, in a compassionate way with your colleagues. So new norms and new values and how people are supposed to be functioning together. The third tip is really about determining the team's new why and drawing new processes, team workflows, responsibility charts, learning where and how you're gonna be documenting things in online and making sure that that's done diligently so people will know where to go to find out what they need to be doing, finding out where it's stored and how to easily access all of this information. So there's a whole new uh, process what I call systems thinking, being able to backtrack a little bit and spend some time building the infrastructure or the lattice work in around how you're going to work. If you spend some of the, this initial time up front developing that, everything will become icing on the cake. You will become much more efficient and productive if you can lay the foundation and the framework and basically the railroads or the boundaries or the riverbanks at which the group is going to start reacting interacting within these um, online bounds 
that you are creating. A fourth tip is being able to create and use the right tools um, to create these conceptual online rooms, just like you would be in an in-person office. And we know that there's lots of different tools to use online. Some of them are free, some of them you pay for. How can you integrate them? How can you um, involve them and integrate them into your workflows so that people are not seeking and looking and going to a myriad of places and getting confused? You wanna make sure there's simplicity, yet the appropriate infrastructure to be able to get all the things done that you need to. So as I've mentioned before, Impetus has both synchronous tools and asynchronous tools. And we're not the only people who can do this, but synchronous tools are things like Zoom or WebEx or um, uh, Microsoft Teams or a whole bunch of other different tools that are available where you can have whiteboarding and chats and raising hands and sharing files, being able to see each other on webcams and being able to have a live in-person synchronous discussion. You also wanna be able to have equally asynchronous tools. And asynchronous tools is really what Impetus has built in our proprietary platform with a whole series of really interesting and compelling tool sets, annotation tools, discussion forum tools, survey tools, document areas. So it's almost like being able to create, if you will, building a new home together. Where do you actually meet as a group? and where are gonna be considered things like water coolers. Uh, we oftentimes use a myriad of other supplemental tools besides the Impetus Insight platform like Slack and other things where you can actually have quick conversations. And knowing to determine when you're gonna be using the asynchronous tools and when you're not going to be, when you're gonna be using synchronous tools, what's gonna to be considered live versus not live or over time. So, the fifth um, tip here is really determining when are you going to require your synchronous or your live meeting tools? How many people are going to be involved in those meetings and how long are they going to be? One of the things that we realize, and we've done this for many, many years at Impetus, is synchronous tools or synchronous meetings take a lot of brain power. They take a lot of energy and they're very energy sapping. So oftentimes we counsel our clients to make these meetings a lot more succinct, vibrant, full of energy and excitement, and less didactic, pulling things into asynchronous pre-work assignments. So you're actually really keeping people focused on discussions, debates, workshops, breakout groups, and they're interacting with each other in a very compelling way because they are energy sapping. Unlike an in-person meeting where you have energy dissipators, like being able to go out for a break or have a coffee or stop off somewhere to chat with somebody you know, in the hallway. We don't have that luxury in the synchronous virtual, so we need to be mindful of how many meetings we have, how long they're gonna be, and who should be on them. And that really brings me to the sixth tip, is who is part of these synchronous virtual meetings? Who's part of the core team? Who's part of the operational team? And who are the people on the outer skirts? Maybe they just don't, they, maybe you don't need to spend their time in the virtual synchronous meetings. Maybe they just need to be on the outer where you're conversing and sharing through documentation, using your asynchronous tools. Maybe you just meet with them in project rooms or you know share things through the asynchronous water cooler. So being able to create this milieu or this home or this office space virtually where people know where to go to get things 
to do things and to speak to different people. And ultimately, you also want to find out who is going to be accountable for what, making sure that is super clear and super succinct. And in these virtual meeting rooms, you're going to want to include some what we call diversity or the law of requisite variety. You, it used to be that you'd only have certain people involved, but maybe you can open this up, especially if you're looking for new solutions and ideas involving more of the absorbers, the thinkers, um, the interpreters of information along the continuum of your company and involve them perhaps in the asynchronous tools or the meeting rooms to be able to have dialogue, debate, discussion, so that you're going to be able to reinvent yourself and develop a new why, almost like the Simon Sinek group of why are you in existence? Why are you doing what you're doing? How are you going to be developing new products and protocols so that you can stay relevant and current with your clients as they're navigating new virtual ways of working and exploring their workspace? So the seventh um, tip here is really about learning to do outcome control versus process control. One of the core things that we're finding with a lot of our colleagues and clients as they are delving into this new virtual space is fear. Fear that their colleagues, fear that their employees are not going to be productive, that they're not going to be working, that they're going to be doing other things and not being able to provide what they normally do when they're being viewed and basically surveilled in a work environment. We've actually been seeing statistics recently about people sharing that, for example, with Facebook, that they were surprised to see that productivity did not go down than when employees started working from home, but in fact, it increased. And so what you'll find is that some people are layering in or discovering work-life harmony or harmonization versus work-life balance there's a little bit more of a, a free flow as opposed to a complete division between work and home and work and personal life. And it's being able to get comfortable with allowing people to deliver products to you or deliver their outcomes or the results or whatever it is that you're looking for from them whenever it's convenient for them as opposed to very specific times. So being able to get comfortable as a leader with outcome, outcome control versus process control. An eighth tip here for being successful with building culture in a virtualized world is what Brene Brown in her book called Dare to Lead it calls sharing vulnerability. Being able to be a real person online. So um, you need to make people feel psychologically safe when they're online because it is a bit weird, it's a bit irksome not being able to sort of feel, especially when you're somebody who is very extroverted and very used to being around people in the office. How do you make sure that you're doing things that are safe? That are um, We actually like to, at Impetus, do what we call random round robins where people can share their successes or what was great about yesterday or what was the concerns of the day. Being able to set up, um, you know, if you're doing stand-up meetings, for example, or uh, to be able to do things like personal life check-ins, if there's something that's not quite going right, or being able to allow people to share when something didn't quite go so well in a meeting and be able to set up new norms and um, having this sort of whole person or, or holistic view on each person in your team. So sharing and participating in vulnerability. A ninth tip is really mandating the use of webcams. I know a lot of times people are not comfortable. We're not, we haven't been trained to be movie stars or to be in front of videos and cameras, unless of course you're really somebody young and you're in TikTok all the time. 
but we're not used to it. It makes us feel uncomfortable. Sometimes at home, we might be in our pajamas or we might be feeling that we have a bad hair day or we don't have our makeup on or, you know, we don't look the same way that we do when we're at work. The idea here is to inspire and to build new culture. It's okay. It's okay to be you. It's okay to be vulnerable. Um, and we want to use webcams because it allows us to get most of the sensory um, conceptual cues that we're used to, except of course, pheromones, which we probably don't need to be smelling the people that we're working with. But everything else, facial expressions, if somebody is sad or happy um, or bored, if they're paying attention. Um, and these are some things that we can do. And you can use these webcams to have fun. Um, and that actually takes me to my 10th and final tip of creating culture in a virtualized world. And that is have fun. Use the webcams to do wacky things like the wackiest hairdo of the day or who's got the longest haircut since longest hair since we haven't been able to get haircuts since COVID-19. Um, have things like coffee house chat house uh, chat sessions. A lot of companies have been doing sort of end of the week happy hours where people are either sharing in, you know, an alcoholic drink or coffee or tea, um, sharing what happened for the week and having fun. You can do fun things like doing trivia pursuit or categories or dinner events. Do things that will you would normally have done with teams, but now you're doing it virtually and you can be creative. And there's a lot of things you can find out on how to have compelling, fun events online by just doing a Google search. So those are my top 10 tips, things that we have actually done really successfully at Impetus for the last 11 years as we've been building a virtual team globally, as we've been serving clients globally for the last 11 years. Again, building asynchronous and synchronous tools for life science companies to be able to do these various things. And we'd love to share with you more if you have other questions about what we have done to create wonderful culture in a virtualized world. Thank you so much. And until next time, my friends, live courageously.